Middle and high school cross-country athletes receive 20% off regular price shoes and spikes for the month of July and August, only at Three Rivers Running Company in Fort Wayne. Indiana Runner Podcast Season 6, Episode 14, Taylor Marshall and I go through the update to INCC Stats preseason ratings, including track times and a new update to the formula. Let's hit it. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. All right. We're continuing our preseason coverage. We knew this would happen, or we hoped this would happen at some point, and that is that INCC Stats updated. Uh, we're recording this on July 31st. Uh, we're going to publish it maybe another week or so later. We're getting a lot of our stuff out now. Instead of once a week, every two days. Colin Altavote, Taylor Marshall, Indiana Runner Podcast. Uh, let's go over it, Taylor. I've got a couple big takeaways, and then we kind of have just some of our teams to watch. Not necessarily the top teams, but maybe some of the movers. My, my biggest takeaway, or, or one of my two biggest takeaways, is this. The year-to-year formula has changed slightly to a lot on the boys' side. So it used to be that boys' seniors improved at the top end. You know, we're talking like scores on good teams even like up to, you know, the top 25 boys or so used to be 10 seconds improvement from your junior year to your senior year. Now it's down to eight. Juniors used to improve about 15 seconds. Now it's down to 13 and then sophomores, the big jump. And we've, we've talked about this and it was kind of factored into our preseason ratings. I kept saying, I'm not as bullish on sophomore boys as INCC stats, that switched from 35 seconds to 21 seconds. Huge jump right there, right? Yes. Kind of hand in hand then, it aligns more with what we had thought coming into it. So there were the initial uh, INCC stats ratings, there were the Indiana Runner preseason ratings, and now the after the updates, it kind of aligns more with what we said. Yeah, if you go back and uh, listen to our podium uh, contenders or team title contender podcast episodes, uh, you'll see that this this is pretty close. So we we uh, we we got it, did really well. That committee of one over there uh, knew what he or she was doing. So let's go over four teams that we were on a little early. Brownsburg boys jumped up to fifth we had them fifth in the i ir preseason rankings they right. brownsburg went from a 21.3 percent chance to make the podium to a 30.8 percent chance now we get it too like we're just these aren't real these aren't consequential these are some sort of computer program the standard deviations the algorithms all of that that Nothing's actually changed, but what has changed was some of the data that we input into this. So we get that. And there's there's discussion on this, good discussion on, on the message boards about what, what are the importance of rankings? What value do you put in? We all get it. No one's saying these are consequential. We know that they don't include incoming freshmen. We know it doesn't include Kyle Gross' seven-mile PPM at 513 pace today. We get it. We all get it. Khan, Sergio Khan, 
who's going into his senior year based on his great 3,200 time from last year, which I believe was 914, jumps all the way up to 14th, which is one of the reasons for the big jump for Brownsburg. And then Ian Baker, who's going into his junior year and run 414 for 1,600, jumps up to 29th, although I don't think that's quite as big of a leap for Brownsburg. Now, of all of the non what we consider to be non-title contenders. And maybe in a month we'll feel differently about Brownsburg. Maybe they are a title contender. Maybe they are the number one team on uh, August 31st compared to July 31st. Right. I had thought of Brownsburg as the best non-title contender. You thought of Brownsburg more as like the sixth or seventh best team in the state. I had them fifth. Yeah. And now NCC Stats has them fifth. Yeah, INCC stats tend to agree with you. And like you said, these uh, ratings or rankings on INCC stats are not consequential, but I will point out the fact that um, what maybe nine out of the last 10 podium teams, if you look at boys and girls together, uh, were accurately predicted by INCC stats. So um, is it the end all be all? No, but is it a really good picture of what's likely to happen on that last Saturday in October? I'd say so. It, it gives you a pretty good idea. If a coach or an athlete were to look at this and be like, you know, start playing the Drake song, we made it like, no, you still got to work. You still got to do all these things. I think what we're yeah. finding out is there's just so much competition. There's so many good programs in Indiana and there's just such a good understanding of what it takes that we can reasonably assume everyone is going to do the work that it takes. So this gives us a pretty good idea going in uh, of, of what it, it could look like. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. And you know, that's part of the fun and excitement of showing your team, Hey, here's where we are. Here's what could happen. But like you said, we got to show up every day and put the runs in. Um, Otherwise it's all for naught. And it'll move around. We're planning to do, another podcast before the start of the season, which we would then release right before. Now, if you're on the Patreon and you can get exclusive and early access by being on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Indiana runner. It's a $5 a month subscription. Well worth it. If you're into Indiana high school track and field or cross country, we're planning to do some of these. And then August 12th is the first day for races for meets. And we'll start with podcasts right then. And that will things will move around quite a bit at that point because they will start to factor in incoming freshmen. If you ran last year, but are way improved, way better than, than your projection. And some of these teams will have that. Yeah. Somewhat unlikely that they will be the top teams, but they might, um, that'll take a few weeks, but you know, by the time we get to labor day, it's going to, it's going to look different but this is a really good preview of who the who the best teams are. Should see that big drop around Labor Day, don't you think? Yep. And we'll probably have a podcast that that night, depending on our schedule. So we've we've taken a bit of a break. If you're if if you're just digesting this through as they come out on Apple or Spotify, they're coming out on a regular pattern. If you're doing Patreon, we took a bit of a break because we both went to our team camps. Uh Brownsburg boys, we covered them. Fishers boys. We had Fisher's boys as a title contender. They certainly didn't look like that, but there were some things that we knew, such as Matthew Kim had a huge track season over uh, multiple distances, not just 800, even though that was his best event. 
Right. Um, and we knew that they had a junior that had an excellent track season and ran 933, and that was going to vault him out. So Fisher's boys do jump into contender status. They went from a 2.8% chance to win to an 8.1% when you factor in Parker Melling, who's going to be a junior, ran 933. And then I would guess that whoever does INCC stats went through and looked at, well, historically, what does a 933 for a sophomore translate to uh, over time? And maybe found out with with some of these uh, new improvements, the top freshmen don't necessarily drop 35 seconds. Maybe it is more like 21 and, and put a more conservative one on there. So Fisher's boys, based on what we've seen in the track season, much more likely to contend based on the numbers. Quagliaroli, Sam Quagliaroli, eighth, Matthew Kim, 22nd. Yeah, um, so obviously a, a good jump here from a team we know is solidly on the podium. I, I don't know if they quite have enough. I think I said this before that like maybe they don't have quite enough to compete with uh, whether it's Carmel or Zionsville, but um, they're they're solidifying their spot in the top five in my mind. And I think they moved to right behind Zionsville. Noblesville would be in there as well. They moved right right behind Zionsville, kind of made a jump um, and have actually a, a statistically similar or identical chance to win the state meet based on the INCC stats numbers. Concordia girls, this might've been the surprise contender that we included on ours. Concordia girls move up to fourth, very close to Hamilton Southeastern and Carmel. We'll talk about both of them in a little bit. And they go from a 1.3% chance to make the state meet to a 5.1% chance. Not, I'm sorry, not to make the state meet, to win the state meet, to get to the state meet and then beat everybody there. Uh, the main right. thing is Mallory Weller going into her sophomore year goes up from, she's probably in the nineties, nineties to hundred. And she went all the way up to 27th overall. Yeah, big jump right there. Huge help for Concordia. Um, solidly in the mix. You know, we we still feel like it's probably a a two-team race on the girl side with uh one team well out in front. Um, uh, but a couple others like Concordia, like Homestead and HSC can all kind of get into it. So Concordia also has good depth, depth being to five, not depth being to 12 or 14 girls, but They've also are getting in an eighth grader, so a freshman that ran 525. And I think we talked about this maybe not on the podcast, but 525, when you go to a private middle school in Fort Wayne and the level of competition that you see is a lot different than if you ran 525 at Clay Middle School that goes to Carmel or Riverside Junior High that goes to Hamilton Southeastern. Right. So that, so this that could be an extra one for them. Right. You think her ceiling's got to be pretty high here. And uh, she's she's probably a lot uh, capable of a lot more than that 525. It could be. Now, the, the other difference is that's quite a transition and it made quite a transition for someone like that. And, and you've got to be patient with those athletes. And really, they've got to be patient with themselves versus if they did, you know, go to school in Hamilton County and they've seen a high level of competition, it may be a an easier transition to just kind of show up in June and be ready to, to run in, in high school because you've already seen high levels of competition. The other yeah. big jump was Hamilton Southeastern. They go to third. They are right behind Carmel and HSC's 
percentage increases from 3.7 to 7.7. And we saw this coming because of how strong of a track season HSC had, right? Uh, you know, Powers ran yeah. really well. Butler, you know, somewhat exploded on the scene. Uh, they just, they, they've got a, a really great uh, three through four. Um, so this is not, not a big surprise by any means for HSC, uh, really putting themselves up there with Homestead, Concordia, Carmel, teams trying to challenge Noblesville. Powers moves up to ninth. I don't know how much of a, of a, vault that is for her she was already pretty high up there the one that stuck out to me was elizabeth butler after a really good track season mainly over 1600 meters and she shoots all the way up to 14th so carmel doesn't have as many up that high and it's kind of like hse stars versus our depth carmel's depth our being because we work for carmel clay schools direct deposit shout out this friday shout out um by the way uh both as we are sitting here on July 31st, the Detweiler dark has already happened. A couple of these girls competed in the three mile race in Illinois. Uh, Maggie Powers, 1829 for three miles and Elizabeth Butler, 1906 for three miles. So uh, both are uh, pretty fit right there uh, early on and, and we'll see what happens. And that's a good, good course, exciting atmosphere. I did hear or read someone put on the message board that the real feel, even after the sun went down and it was dark, the real feel was close to a hundred. Yeah. So obviously it has Man. a little, little, little effect on the times there. I'd imagine even in the oh, dark, yeah. let's do a quick rundown here then. And this will be one of our, our shorter podcasts. I mean, we did tons and tons of content over all of these teams. So in, in a way we're just kind of rehashing uh, this, and then we'll, we'll get to some of the individuals as well. So the boys contenders, uh, the ones that we haven't yet talked about, Carmel that was the number one team on INCC stats and on Indiana Runner. Carmel goes from a 44.4% chance to win to a 42.2% chance to win. Noblesville goes from 29.6 to 29.6, so no change there. Zionsville drops 12.5 to 8%. And then Fishers yeah. was up to 8.1. The, the thing that tipped me off of to the change in the year-to-year -year formula was that in the past, and, and this still is the case, track track performances or lack of track success never hurts anyone's rating. Right. It can help your rating. So when the new track performances come in and it does things like moves Shujil Khan from uh, Brownsburg from wherever he was up to 14th, right? And deservedly so if you ran 914. Yeah, We've got yeah. a lot of data that says boys that run under 920 are pretty solid the next year for cross country. But Carmel and Noblesville's team ratings both shifted down about 10 points. So we were one, Carmel was 112. And then the last time I looked, I think it said 123. And Noblesville went from like 123 or so to 133. I thought, how can that be the case? And then I looked at uh, potential top sevens and they they had shifted down. So like we have a sophomore that was pretty high up for sophomores and he had been in the 60s or 70s and was all the way down at 100. And then that's when I started to kind of reverse engineer on on the um, improvement. I didn't quite check as, as 
accurately on the girls' side. So I don't know how much that shifted, if at all. Girls contenders, Noblesville moves from 70% chance to 65.1%. Carmel girls go from 9.8% to 11.2%. So what's the shift for? Well, if Hamilton Southeastern and Concordia each have a big percentage increase, there's only so many, there's only so many percentage points to go around, right? Right. hundred. So that's got to come from somewhere. So some of the simulations that Noblesville maybe had won are now being won by those other teams because their runners project better based on um, successful track seasons. Carmel, Noblesville probably stays the same. No one's track season is helping them, mainly because they were concentrated. Their best runner ran the 800 a lot. Carmel yeah. probably getting a bit of a bump. Sadie Foley running, you know, she's in the 60s last year at the state meet and then runs 457. So she's going to get a bump kind of like Mallory Weller from Concordia, but it's not quite as big of a jump because she'd already had a successful cross-country season, whereas Correct. Weller was not as good over the cross-country season. So, and then maybe some of some of the role players throwing down an 11-22, 11-23 might, might help marginally. Yeah, um, I think that still Noblesville is obviously way out in front here. Uh, I think the two through four or five on the podium could also get interesting. But it uh, looks like, you know, uh, like you said, just comes down to uh, you can only slice the pie so many ways. And I think that reflects in, in Noblesville there, but still the overwhelming favorite. And there's so much to talk about. You know, we spent all summer, it feels like, and I've I've really I've enjoyed doing this, maybe more so this year than than in any of the other years that I've done it uh, in terms of preseason coverage. Because one, it's fun to do the podcast, and of course we're building up our Patreon, which is you can watch the numbers climb up and you see what, how interested people are in it. Yeah. Um, but then the meet start and all the preseason stuff is it, it is it, it becomes it becomes meaningless at that point, yeah. which makes sense. But it there's a value for it now. To, to talk about and to see and people are interested in it. Um, it's also fun for us to make these kind of predictions and guess what might happen and then be able to go back later and see yeah you know how Although much I, I typically don't do that i know some people know. have i just i not that i don't want to know but I, it's like i guess i go like coaching wise let's think about it as a coach right i mean we may we may go back through and look at previous stuff. For instance, uh, today was the first day of our official practices. Today's July 31st. Uh, it'll This will come out later on the Spotify and Apple. But some of our guys, because of the way the school year is working and some of them are in the mentorship program, whatever, can't come tomorrow. So a lot of our best guys, oldest guys, did their PPM today. And when they got done, Jason Rigsby, one of our other coaches, was like, well, how does that compare to where they were at this point last year? So I went back yeah. and looked at that stuff. I go back and look at that stuff, but I don't right. find myself very often, if ever, going back and watching old races or anything like that, right? Like we're always yeah. kind of forward thinking, we're thinking about the next thing. Yeah, right. Uh, same in terms of going back and looking at progress from year to year on similar workouts or same date like runs. Um, but it is kind of that from a, almost from a fan perspective, it's kind of interesting to, see how how you and i might do and these types of predictions and things like watching sunday night football and you know you you're week 11 and you can see you know as they go around and pick 
you know, where they line up on the year, right? You know, Tony Dungy, you know, 10 and 0, that kind of thing. Tony Dungy, Shout what a man. Yeah. I've heard that he is like le- legitimately one of the nicest, like most sincere people. Like his public image is he's just like that in real life. Yeah. I've heard some stories that he's a really guy, a really great guy. Uh, other teams of note, I've got uh, two for the boys and two for the girls. We will talk about some individuals. Um, and this is, I think, just a good addition to our uh, preseason coverage. Uh, okay. I got one for me and one for you. That's how this town works, Taylor. All right. Let's do this. Bloomington North boys. The Cougars. Cougars. I heart the Cougars, man. You got the shirt on right now. Got the you know shirt. What- I was ready for him. Let's go Cougars. This is an audio medium. You know what shirt I'm wearing? Uh, you are, it's blue. So it must be a Carmel shirt. Carmel 2022 cross country state champions. That's a nice shirt. Thanks. You got one. I I do have one. Yeah. Uh, Bloomington North boys, 19.9% chance to make the podium. This is prior to the, uh, track update. And then I would have thought maybe this would be a team that would be hurt by the new, the update to the formula because they are kind of sophomore dependent. Yeah. Nope. Their track season was enough to uh, compensate for that. So Bloomington North increases 19.9% chance to 23.1%. Not insignificant. No, not at all. Not consequential, but statistically that's, that's a, that's a pretty big increase. It's a pretty big increase. And then this is a group of boys who could make another big jump here going into the fall um, coming off a really successful spring. So uh, they'll, they'll be fun. They're, they're my team to watch and, you know, you know how excited I am about them. And I think that they earned all that this spring. And let's see how it translates into some grass running here in the next few weeks. And this is Bloomington North is team variance. I think they have a very high ceiling, which could be on the podium. And then I think they have a lower floor because this is the the, the Brock Hagerman theory, like young talent, young talent is unpredictable. Yeah. And it not in a bad way. But young talent is so hard to predict versus I was texting with another area coach today and like Carmel, Zionsville, Fishers, established teams with established guys on them, uh, you know, long-term coaches. You kind of know what you're going to get out of them. Yeah. Versus the teams with, you know, younger guys, sophomores and juniors, that's a little, it's a little more unpredictable. Noblesville boys are a little more unpredictable than Carmel or Fishers. But that ceiling. Noblesville is the team to beat. They could have a high, very high ceiling. Right. Right. All right. You like the Cougars? I do. I love Cougars. Give me some more Cougars, Colin. I heard you like Cougars, so I put more Cougars in your Cougar podcast. Yeah. Greenfield Central Boys. We we talked about them, and I was pretty high on Greenfield. And not as high as the statistics, though. Greenfield yeah, had a 15.6% chance to make the state meet before this track update. And we kind of identified some of their guys. One kid was named is named Carter Crouch, who'd run 520, and had been something along the lines of 95th in the semi-state last yeah. year. And I was like, man, 420, I think I imagine said 520, it's 420. 420, yeah. quite a fast 1600. And at Shelbyville, it seemed like the top five boys teams and the top five girls teams had separated themselves uh, pretty well. But but especially yeah. on the boys side, not as much anymore, according to this. 
15.6% chance to make the state meet to 45.5%, nearly tripling their percentage chance based on the statistics. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I how about that? I, I certainly would hope that they would have a good summer looking at that, you know, a big motivator to come in and think, oh my gosh, we could really get this done. Uh, and uh, certainly some geographic changes with the realignment help Greenfield Central, uh, but they are more than deserving to be in there. And they, again, it's almost 50-50 right now, it looks like. And Greenfield is, you know, they're not an established team in, in the sense of Zionsville, Fishers, whatever, like always at the state meet, but they're, they're a secure team. They're a team with older runners that have had success and you're seeing steady or incredible improvement among some of their kind of foundational runners. There's, you know what you're going to get to an extent so Greenfield versus Hamilton Southeastern boys could be interesting because Hamilton Southeastern is a young team and yeah. maybe HSE is a year away from being a year away in terms of like finishing on the podium or, or pushing Carmel or Fishers uh, for the state championship. But this year is interesting between those two teams because it could come down to them for the last spot out of Shelbyville. Should be which, fun to watch. Which may have, the last spot out of Shelbyville may still be the you know the eleventh or twelfth best team in the state. Right. On the girls' side, I think you were pretty high on the Franklin Central girls, right? I guess I was. So you understood this before uh, the numbers came out. Franklin Central girls go from a twenty-five point four percent chance to make the podium to a thirty-two point two percent chance. Yeah, and we've seen yeah, some but... stuff from them this summer. They, they look. They look like they'll be pretty tough. Yeah, it seems to to be uh, some more evidence there, right? They had a good spring. Um, they were hit by a couple injuries maybe uh, this past fall, some availability issues. And I think that they would have been obviously much better, but they are on a, a bit of a comeback tour, if you will, Colin. I, I feel really good about where they're at. And um, yeah, we were a little early on them and hopefully the flashes will find themselves uh, at the state meet and on the podium or competing for a podium place. I don't know if they're, they're quite there, but I, I, I'm i a fan. I like them. I like Franklin Central's chances to make the podium more now than I did a couple weeks ago. Not because of anything necessarily that Franklin about, Central about did. I'm not to practice. I just, <laughs> yeah, I just had more of a chance to think about it. Um, and there's some, there's some, there's potentially some movement around on the top teams. And I think when the meets start, maybe not every single person that we thought was going to go to these schools is going to start the season at those schools. So I think that may move some things around on the, on the top, top five teams. Yep. Uh, another one, Warsaw girls, Warsaw girls had a 90.1% chance to make the state meet per INCC stats. Uh, and now they have a 93.7% chance to make the state meet. Why is that noteworthy? It's because Warsaw is the fifth ranked team in the New Haven Regional. Okay. Top five are going to make it out. The yep. next best team in New Haven has a 1.3% chance to make the state meet. So the fifth best team, 93.7%. The sixth team, 1.3% chance to make the state yeah, meet. And talk about a clear divide right there. My gosh. And I, you know, I don't think that there's necessarily 
a certainty that those are going to be the five teams, even with that percentage, because of what could happen with uh, availability or, you know, newcomers. But what this is showing us is that some of these teams that aren't ranked inside the top five could still make it. We're still going to have all these races and we're going to have a whole season in a tournament. Uh, but it's, it's not going to be that they get one freshman in that we weren't expecting or didn't know about. It's going to be that they got four freshmen right. in, and that, that doesn't have, you know, yeah, all, what, what all center Grove uh, scenarios aside, that, that doesn't happen very often on, on either the boys or the girls side. Yeah. Set of very talented triplets move in. That's yeah. I mean, that's the dream, right? That is the dream that I'm dreaming that let's get that. Let's go. You want to have Ben Sven and Ren Veach and they're all there at the same time. That's right. Ren. How about that name? Ren Veach. Uh, all right. I don't hear that anymore. Big movers individually. Will Conway, after his great track season. Now, Will Conway is is somewhat of an enigma to figure out statistically just from last year because with some of the, the availability issues and he started the season and had some of the best performance ratings. I think he had the best one in the first couple of weeks, even ahead of Cole. And then was gone for a while, came back, raced in the tournament, but didn't race up to his usual level and was just running to try and help his team out through, yeah. I believe, the, the semi-state and the state meet. Correct. Yep. So whatever his rating was at the end was not a clear representation of his capabilities. We know what his capabilities are, and that is potentially the best runner in the whole state. So he's right. a little bit behind Tony Provenzano of Carmel, shout out, and Cameron Todd of Buff, who finished second and third last year, kind of a, like a photo finish basically at the state meet. Conway was was well farther back of that, but Conway does have the track times over both of those guys, I believe, in both the 16 and the 3200, um, and has had cross-country success, just not necessarily at the state meet because of those available availability issues last year right certainly one of the best kids in the in the nation you could say i mean conway is incredibly talented and hopefully he'll have a healthy season to finish that out so um yeah like you said the, the end of the season wasn't indicative of his abilities but we're, we saw a lot more of that this past uh track season and hopefully this fall and that kind of just lines up with the eye test right like would you would you rank would you rank conway the third best runner heading into the season I would put him in second or third, honestly. I think it's really close between Provenzano and Todd and Conway. Um, I I think you could probably, I, I guess, out of fairness, maybe he is the third. But I, I think those three could you could have you could pick a you know name out of a hat and and that's your state champion of those three. I think it's really close. Obviously, there's one of those three that I'm really pulling for, but I think the other two you know have a legitimate chance as well. It's pretty equal in my mind. Another person with a great track season was Martin Barco from Martinsville. He finished somewhere in the 40s or 50s in the state cross-country meet, which was based on what we knew then was, was good. That's a solid cross-country season for him. Yeah. Then the track season, state champion in the 1600. Uh, I, I think he runs like 405, 406, maybe for 1600 meters. 152 in the 800. Uh, but 
856 over 3,200, and that helped him to vault a lot of the field, and he's moved up to fourth. Were you surprised by that? Uh, not necessarily. The 856 and getting to see that there at, at our Carmel Showcase was really impressive, and that, I in my mind, made it even more legitimate. I think you take that performance out and we're focused only on his uh, 1,600, 800 performance, then I, I would be surprised. But if you can run 856 uh, as a junior, uh, then he's he has a uh, a really great shot of being uh, inside the top five at the state meet. So, uh, what, what did you think? I thought I that's where I would have ranked him if we were doing the preseason all state, which we're just running out of time. School starts like in a few days, and I got to change classrooms. So I we're just we're not going to do that this year. I'm also just, I've mentioned this in the past. I'm also a little more hesitant to rank the athletes individually. It's one thing to talk about people. It's one thing to talk about individuals as you're ranking the teams. It's another thing. I just don't really love the ranking the individuals, um, especially because they are, you know, they are kids. Uh, Now, I guess I don't mind doing the semi-state rankings as things move up and down throughout the year, but I've cooled off on the individual, like, statewide rankings um at the beginning of the year on the girls side statistically mary eubank from penn she had a very good track season over 3200 meters she goes up to 10th and then the other one we talked about um, is elizabeth butler from hamilton southeastern and she moves up to 14th yeah got to see both of those girls race quite a bit this past spring um really uh surprised by mary eubank Uh, she had a, a really really great year uh, this, this track season. Um, so that, that was impressive and, and way up in Penn where we don't get to see too often, but got a chance to see her. They came down for a couple races in central Indy, especially indoors. And then Butler, you know, uh, a really solid, uh, more than solid, uh, an incredible number two, uh, could, dare I say, could she be number one at some point for her team, right? She and Maggie powers aren't too far off one another. Uh, you know, that's really great for HSC and, and their duo. So, um, that's a team that will be uh, maybe a little added motivation for Butler trying to help her team uh, have a high place this year. Yeah, I think that could be a, a scenario where if there are times, especially later in the season, where Butler is number one for Hamilton Southeastern, that's good for Hamilton Southeastern because Powers is pretty steady. She's a yeah. good distance runner. She's established. We kind of know what to expect from her. So if if Butler is the number one, it's probably because she's running really well and that helps the team versus, you know, someone not running as well and isn't the team's number one runner anymore. Uh, Very, very interesting. And we're we're almost upon, I mean, we, we look at it a lot now as we do this, these uh, preseason rankings and all the preseason coverage, the podcast, so on, but we're almost an INCC stat season where we're on the bus. It's Saturday at, at, four or five o'clock we're out to lunch we're trying to refresh it see and when it updates there's i can't wait yeah. there's nothing like it there's nothing there's nothing, nothing like the start of cross country season uh can't wait to hang out with some coaches at our undisclosed location and talk about the meet and hey what'd you see at your meet today here's what i saw did you see this time man nothing like it alto can't wait uh well thanks for coming on and just one more plug patreon.com slash indiana runner we are up to 53 members on our Patreon and you too can be a Patreon subscriber and get early and exclusive access 
Uh, we're not going to go through and do anything else on this one now, but most weeks we're going to have a regular podcast where we do our normal stuff and then kind of Patreon exclusive, do a lot of coaching corner, wrap up loose ends, things like that. You can be a Patreon subscriber like Mike Kepner, who just subscribed recently. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Shout out. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. In the next couple of days, we'll do our uh, regional one where we just go through each of the regionals, locks, probables, contenders, Lloyd Christmas, all that. I can't wait. We're almost there, man. We're almost there. We're almost there. Happy first official day, Colin. Hey, happy first official day to you too. I love my little dudes. They my little guys. I love them.